This week on Foamcast Radio, a large national thrift chain might not be carrying Nerf blasters anymore. And it's clear that Worker is being quite transparent about their new blaster kit. I can see right through them. We'll talk all about it. I give my thoughts on another Vortex VTX blaster. We cover a bunch of upcoming Nerf events, and I talk to another fantastic Nerf modder about his new business venture. Listen up and load up. It's time for the biggest podcast in the world dedicated to foam blaster toys. News, reviews, events, and more. And now, recording from the broadcast bunker, it's Ben Anderson, the host of Foamcast Radio. All right, boys and girls, welcome to the show this week. The first thing that we've got up on the agenda is Value Village, also known as Savers in some parts of the country. It seems we've been hearing through various local news stations and Reddit posts and personal experiences that Value Village is no longer going to be carrying any sort of toy guns on their shelves. Now, obviously, this includes Nerf blasters, but it also includes things like BB guns and possibly even squirt guns. Now, so far, we haven't heard anything official from Value Village, and I have even sent a personal request for comment from them with no response. But from all available evidence, it would appear that they are simply no longer going to be carrying any toy guns on their shelves. Now, other thrift stores, such as Goodwill, are unaffected by this. It's really only Value Village and Savers that have instituted this policy. Next up, I teased it with some really terrible jokes, and of course what I'm talking about is the Worker Swordfish that was announced. This is a clear strife shell that Worker has put out. It runs about 30 US dollars online. It doesn't come with any motors or flywheels or any sort of electronics. It comes with a few little internal pieces here and there, but for the most part, it's just the shell, and then you have to integrate parts from an actual strife into it to make it functional. They do also sell a few different kits with different configurations of worker parts, including flywheels and motors and full auto parts and so on, but these are quite a bit more expensive. So if you just want the clear strife shell, you can get that for $30. The Swordfish is compatible with all of the various worker strife kits, which makes sense. And because most of their kits block use of the jam door, they've taken the opportunity to just omit the jam door altogether from the design and instead put a top tactical rail all the way across the top of the swordfish. We'll put a link in the show notes to where you can go to purchase one. Looking for Foamcast Radio merch? We've got apparel, patches, and sweet tactical gear available for purchase on our website. Foamcastradio.com slash merch. And now, back to the show. This week, in keeping with the release of the Vortex VTX line, I am going to be reviewing the Nerf Vortex Vigilon. When this blaster was originally launched as part of the Nerf Vortex line, it was 15 US dollars. However, the Vortex VTX version is going to be 25 US dollars. It fires the Vortex discs and contains an internal five disc magazine, although it's very easy to fit a sixth disc in there, even without priming at first. And if you prime one and then load another, you can even fit seven discs into it. It's a slide prime with an automatic slide return. So what that means is that you pull the slide back and it primes it, you let go, and the slide automatically goes forward, unlike some other blasters. It has a jam release switch on the side just in case you get a disc stuck. That will pop it out. 
and it does have a top tactical rail so you can add optical accessories. It does not have any stock or muzzle attachment points, which makes sense in the case of the muzzle attachment point because the discs would not fit down any of the standard N-Strike Elite muzzle attachments. But it is quite a large blaster, and so it's interesting that they chose not to include a stock attachment point. This blaster is pretty large, and it can't really be minimized because of the torsion spring mechanism contained up in the front and the internal magazine. It's quite bulky, but in spite of that, it does have a pretty comfortable grip. The coloring on the Vortex VTX line is really cool. I really like it. It's that light blue and light green stripes. And it has a very cool, futuristic, almost alien look to it. Now, out of the box, it has all the normal locks that you would expect. It has a priming lock that prevents you from priming it twice. It has a dry fire lock that prevents you from pulling the trigger if there's no disc loaded. It has a lock that prevents you from firing if a disc is loaded upside down. And it also has an open magazine lock that prevents you from pulling the trigger if the magazine door is open. In its standard configuration, it gets pretty decent range as far as Vortex Blasters go. It goes about 50 feet or so. However, it's important to note that like all the Vortex Blasters, it has a really slow velocity for those discs. The Vortex Blasters are designed to project the discs at a very low velocity, something like 40 to 45 feet per second. But because they're essentially foam frisbees, they carry a lot further than the Elite Darts, so you still get pretty decent range out of them. Now, one of the great things about the Vortex Blasters is that it's really easy to increase the performance on them without necessarily having to buy any sort of replacement parts. That's true of the Vigilon as well. You can open it up and you can actually, with a little bit of difficulty, increase the tension on the torsion spring inside. It's also not too difficult to remove the various locks that I was mentioning earlier, which definitely makes it easier to use and gives you the ability to do things like dry fire or fire even if you have the magazine door open. Overall, I think it's a great blaster. It's very easy to mod once you get past that torsion spring. And once you've done that, it gets really good solid range and performance. It's comfortable to hold and use. However, because it is such a large blaster, it would really make sense for it to have a stock attachment point. So it's a little unfortunate that they chose not to include that. I'll include a link in the show notes if you'd like to take a look at this and maybe order one online. The Vortex VTX version is a Target exclusive, but you can still find some of the original Vortex Vigilons on Amazon. Dart Wars is an indoor foam dart battlefield that can accommodate up to 80 players per hour. Bring your own blaster or use one of ours. We specialize in birthday parties, team building exercises, and employee parties. Bring in your team for a party, book a fundraiser for your organization, or stop by anytime during open hours and get in on the constant action. Visit dartwars.com. That's D-A-R-T-W-A-R-Z.com for more information on hours and location. See you on the battlefield. This week, as usual, we've got a whole bunch of Nerf events coming up. Minnesota Nerf is holding their June Nerf War on June 2nd. New York City Nerf Ops is holding their ninth organized event of the year in New York City's Central Park on June 3rd. New York Nerf Herders is holding their Kingdom Darts events in Dix Hills, New York on June 9th. Horizon Prime is having their Nerf War Campout in Spokane, Washington June 9th and 10th. Hampton Roads Nerf Gaming is having an End War pregame in Virginia Beach on June 10th. 
They're also having a Century 3 Mall Nerf War in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania on June 16th. And then, of course, we have End War, followed immediately by FoamCon 2018 in Athens, Ohio on June 22nd and 24th. If you want any information on any of these events, please check out the show notes over at foamcastradio.com. And if you're having a Nerf event or you know somebody who is, please contact me at info at foamcastradio.com or via social media. Let me know the information and I will put it on the podcast to make sure that you guys get as much participation as possible. Foamcast Radio is entirely supported by our sponsors. Please support the show by checking them out and use our coupon code when you make a purchase. And now, back to the show. All right, this week we are joined by Rick from the Blaster Project. Rick is a modder of Nerf Blasters, and I've been looking a lot at his work on Instagram and been really impressed, so I asked Rick to come on the show and talk to us a little bit about his process and his projects. So, Rick, how are you doing today? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, um, before we get into your actual modding that you've been doing, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you actually got into the Nerf hobby? Yeah, actually, I've always been into into guns. I know that is a. I know we use blasters in this community. That's something I had to get used to. Uh, but from actual firearms to airsoft, and now having a child, uh, a son, uh, I had to tone it down and. and uh, do something that I can do in the house. And I've always had a creative side. So uh, coming from airsoft guns where I can't really play out in a public area, uh, that the, the, the thought of Nerf guns or Nerf blasters, as we call them, came into mind. And that's where it all started. I started off on a, uh, a simple fire strike and it grew into something more. I definitely understand coming from real steel firearms down the line through the different hobbies and arriving at Nerf because I've kind of um, had the same evolution. So I I totally understand that part of it. Uh, now, once you got into the hobby, you know, so that you could play with your son and stuff like that, uh, what actually got you into the painting and the modding of the blasters? So the way I got into painting... Uh, the Nerf Blasters was actually from taking my previous experience with uh, modifying and uh, air, airsoft guns. I, uh, I've always even painted those. Something There's something unique about uh, being able to express your creativity. And it, it transcends down to, to Nerf. And uh, I wanted to try it out. I saw so many cool uh, sci-fi looking um, uh, Nerf Blasters that... Uh, it sparked my interest and I wanted to do something similar. Now, is that your preferred style is the sci-fi look? Yeah, I I do prefer the sci-fi look or something of that nature of a fictional theme. Due to the fact that I've already been around this sort of airsoft, which is a one-on-one scale of realistic guns or firearms, and also the actual real steel weapons, this is a chance for my creative side to kind of come out in these uh, in these Nerf blasters. So uh, why don't you tell us about maybe some of your favorite projects that you've worked on, some of your favorite blasters? Yeah, I really love the uh, how the Maliwan uh, Monstrous Volcano paint scheme looked out on the uh, Rapid Strike. I think that was one of my first blasters that I painted that I just looked back and I, I thought to myself, wow, I actually made this. Now, previously, I was able to do something like a... Uh, a Recon Mark II, 
in a sort of zombie style theme. It was good, but I think when I knew uh, all that information education that I was obtaining from online, YouTube, different different modders, and finally applied it to that uh, project, and it all came together. It was all worth it. Currently, I'm working on uh, making a Dart Zone Magnum into uh, you know, integrated into from a uh, double breach, which is an unlikely blaster to be integrating since it's such a horrible blaster in itself. So that's the other one that I'm working on, which is it's kind of hate love relationship right now because I keep putting it off since it's giving me such trouble. But I can't wait to be able to put that together. That's awesome. Do you have the? Do you have a lot of blasters that you're working on at the moment, or do you kind of tend to focus on just one? At any given moment, I'm working at maybe two or three blasters at a time. I think I'm a little OCD when it comes to working with. Uh, well, I don't know if OCD is the word, but when it comes to uh, modding, uh, I can't work on just one project. Um, I get too bored. I got. I got to go jump to the next one. Uh, I might have a creative block or a modding block, whatever you want to call it. So a way to get out of that is continuing another one. So I'm not crazy like some people who do this for like a living or, you know, a side business on Etsy or whatnot. Uh, It's still a hobby for me. So I'm at anywhere between two or three projects at a time. Yeah, and I imagine that probably helps out a lot too when you're waiting for something to dry or set. You can sort of switch gears over to a different project and work on that for a while. Now, so far, I've seen a lot from you in the way of cosmetic modding, like painting and, and weathering and things like that. But I understand you're starting to experiment more with internal mods, performance modifications. I've always been fascinated by the long shot internal mods since there's so many. Uh, It's a little daunting to be able to go straight into that. Uh, Eventually, I want to be able to do the whole breaching thing. And and great thing about it, there's a lot of support. However, uh, just on this recent project I've been working on for the, uh, what is it, the Busby Tactical Storm to make it a pump grip, uh, I I didn't just want to do that and settle with the regular FPS. I went ahead and, and... I think with all my blasters, I increased the uh, the spring tension or the spring, upgrade the spring, first of all, knock out the AR. Uh, In this case, I'm actually padding the plunger um, because for this project, uh, it does take a lot of stress. So uh, to protect, uh, that's the other thing about upgrading is making sure everything's reinforced. You know, you got to make sure your catch spring is even stronger. Uh, Certain plastic pieces that will tend to break in normal function without an upgrade uh, will break. So trying to find those stress points has been a challenge, but it's been fun. Uh, I learned definitely a lot from my mistakes. I don't know how many times I can tell you I've unscrewed or screwed back, disassembled and reassembled until I finally get my project finished. Uh, which I think a lot of modders, especially first time starting, could relate. So, yeah, with upgrades comes reinforcements, uh, making the seal perfect. Uh, Those are basically the performance mods that I'm looking out for, even if it's just a little bit. Uh, If I'm feeling lazy on a, a certain blaster project, 
at least some sort of AR removal and seal, uh, making a perfect seal for uh, increased FPS. Well, those are definitely some some great tips, especially for people who maybe are new to modding. Um, Do you have any other tips? Yeah, there's a lot of tips I can share. But actually, before we started this, I was working on Project Magnum. I'm sorry, Project Tactical Storm. And one of the compression springs uh, got lost. Or just one spring to make the the whole blaster function uh, sprung somewhere. So absolutely keep uh, your springs, your screws uh, handy. Because one little thing can make the whole thing uh, non-functional. What I use is a are uh, medicine cups, actually, med- pill containers. And, you know, they have the child safety lock, so if you, you know to screw it on right, um, I found that very helpful. Unfortunately, I didn't know, I wasn't uh, practicing what I'm preaching, so it got lost, and sometimes they do. I may find it somewhere on the floor. Yeah, so now I have to go and uh, buy a few spares, so <laughs> it's going to put that on hold. Well, it's also a great idea, I think, to uh, keep all the parts that you take out of a blaster while you're modding it for just for situations like this. I mean, you know, maybe you've got another spring in your spare parts bin somewhere that you can that you can substitute in there. I think organization is key uh, for my projects. I, I keep them in these uh, these bins, these small containers that you can get at Home Depot for a dollar. And I put all the spare parts, all the pieces when I take them to take them apart. And knowing that I'm working on two or three blasters or several blasters at a time, I would place it in there, including my little pill containers of the screws and springs or whatnot, uh, before I'm painting them. And just for storage in the in the in between, uh, I keep them ev- or everything organized. My tools have a place. My paint cans have a place. I think a good workstation is important. Something that's clutter-free. I don't know. That's just me. I can't work with uh, too much chaos. That's definitely definitely a good idea to keep everything organized and everything in its proper place. Want to advertise on Foamcast Radio? We love offering our listeners exclusive discounts. Send us an email at info at foamcastradio.com. And now, back to the show. So, Rick, you have an Instagram, and we are going to link to that over in the show notes, and that's the Blaster Project with underscores in between the words. Uh, is there anywhere else where people can see your work? Uh, that's mainly the Instagram. Yeah, the Instagram is the ma- main place to find my work, the underscore Blaster underscore Project. Uh, you'll see everything that goes on with my uh, my modding. I like what I like to do is uh, not just show the finished product. I like to actually involve the audience with all my mistakes, all the progress I've made. Uh, so that I think kind of sets apart. I know, I know, uh, and a shout out to Legato Mods, Michael Gronin, and uh, he, he, him, and I, we talk every now and then, and our pages are are, are very similar, where we show uh, the audience the progress, many pictures. <laughs> to kind of photo document the, the start to finish of our projects. 
Yeah, we actually uh, had him on the show just a few weeks ago, and it was it was great talking to him too. You guys are both uh, doing some awesome work and and making some really cool blasters. Thanks. One other thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, you've started to kind of float out this uh, idea that you're having for a new business. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that concept? Yeah, yeah. Actually, when I started modding, uh, I thought to myself, well, I really like to be able to use these not just shoot around the house. So I'd like to say it's for the kids, but it's actually really for me. I started this uh, small Nerf community in the Coachella Coachella Valley, which is uh, located in Southern California. It's called Coachella Valley Nerf Community. You can find our page at CVNC. And that's just kind of for everyone who came, who wants to come. I was just for anyone who wants to come and I was going to moderate uh, and referee some of the different gameplays. Now, being having an airsoft background, I have a lot of uh, experience with these sort of team versus team, uh, attack and defend, different uh, game styles, shoot the VIP, capture the flag, whatnot. And so that then turned into, what if I had made this a business? Um, having a second child on the way, I didn't really want to pull an extra shift on my current job. I thought it'd be much more interesting and fun to be able to use Nerf as a means of income. And so kind of in a cool way, I'm using CVNC, our Nerf community, as a a test subject for uh, my business. And everyone's on board because they know it's free. And I look forward to it. So if anyone's listening from Southern California and Coachella Valley, uh, look out for us. We're called a Nerf Zone. That's really exciting and awesome. I, I, I wish you the best of luck uh, when it comes to that because that, I think, is something that is really needed to push the hobby forward is more of these uh, Nerf arenas and, and even things like what you're talking about with like a Nerf mobile business. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it was really inspiring to see uh, other businesses flourish in other areas as well. Well, Rick, thanks so much for talking to us today. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, like I said, we're going to put your Instagram into the show notes so people can go over there and check you out. And I'll also make sure to uh, link over to your Nerf community over there. And I wish you the best of luck in future endeavors. Thank you, Ben. It was nice talking to you. All right, guys and gals, thanks so much for listening to Foamcast Radio this week. Over on Instagram, I wanted to point out the Mod Mystery Monday that we had last week. The correct answer was the Nerf Vortex Vigilon, which I just reviewed. Those parts are the various locks that came out when I removed them. And we had two correct answers. And of those two people, the winner was Legato Mods on Instagram. So I'll put a link to his Instagram in the show notes, and I'm currently working on sending him a Foamcast Radio magnet. Now, if you head over to our Instagram, link in the show notes, you can take a look at the current Mod Mystery Monday contest. To enter to win, all you have to do is correctly guess what blaster those parts were removed from during the modding process. If you get the right answer, you're entered to win a Foamcast Radio magnet. Another requirement that I'm adding this time around is that you need to tag one of your other friends on Instagram when you submit your guess. So make sure that in addition to your guess of what the blaster is, you also tag a friend. On Monday, I'll announce who the winner is, and I'll follow that on Thursday by putting it in the show. 
and then I'll ship that person a Foamcast radio magnet. So head on over and enter to win that. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening, and thanks so much for sharing with your friends. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to make sure you won't miss a single episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so it's easy to follow us and share this episode with your friends. You can also find us at foamcastradio.com, where you can view the show notes, order merch, and more. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of Foamcast Radio.